You're listening to Beyond the Game. I love you guys. love the program. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. I love everything about it. The, the, the beards, the handshakes. That just means I'm never leaving my kids alone with you. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. We would be honored if you would join us. Good morning and welcome to Beyond the Game. I'm your host for today, Zach Barletta. Rick Benson is not here today. He is super busy. So we have a special guest today. It's my brother, Spencer Barletta. Longtime listeners of the show will remember that he is on with us from time to time. He is also the co-host of the podcast Myths and Mysteries with me. Uh, Spencer, it was tough to get on this morning and remember which show exactly we were doing. Yeah, man. You you get into certain kinds of routines and habits and... um... You know, you, you change it up and you got to kind of snap some of those things off in your brain to make sure you say the right things and that you're, you're geared up for a different kind of direction to go in. Yeah, I don't, also, I don't know if you heard the episode, but uh, uh, Benson and I at one point during the, the peak of quarantine when nothing is happening did a Bigfoot call contest on this show. So we've actually sort of uh, crossed over at some point. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, I for sure listened to that, still figuring out how to make those ringtones, but um, <laughs> oh, excellent, great. excellent quality content. All right. Well, uh, this is the Beyond the Game podcast. You can find us on Twitter at BTG Program. We're on Facebook. Uh, you could find this podcast on iTunes and several other places where you find excellently produced podcasts. Uh, let's jump right in, Spence. Uh, the first thing that I think is probably on a lot of people's minds right now, because it's still sort of up in the air, is the Washington Redskins, uh, the artist formerly known as the Washington Redskins, changing their name. <laughs> Of course, we don't know what the name is as of this recording because there's some sort of a trademark battle going on with a random guy in Virginia who bought the trademarks to all the most popular name options. Um, I'll let you go first. Spencer, do you think that the Redskins changing their name was overdue or do you think it was just caving to pressure and they stood or should have stood their ground? It's a great question and one that's more convoluted than even I had thought at the beginning when I started really digging in and and reading. Basically, I just read every article I possibly could. And if not for any other reason, I kind of feel like they should just change it to separate themselves from anything that has to do with Dan Snyder and the franchise that he has run there for the last few decades. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, without going on a long rambling rant, I do feel like it probably was time and that the wisest situation would be to change the name. Uh, I did discover, you know, there are uh, Native American groups within the U.S. that do feel strongly about the name being offensive. On the other hand, I also found that there are plenty of Native American groups that do not. And they actually find pride in the name. One article that I read in, there was uh, some impromptu interviews going on. And... There was it was completely unanimous that you know everybody within the room loved the Redskins name. It was their favorite team, and this the simplest way that they put it was, you know, all men are equal, but white men are white men, and black men are black men, and red men are red men, and that's something that they take pride in. So I was really starting to understand why it was a more convoluted ask, but ultimately I decided that because it was used as a slur at one point, and because it is offensive to people groups, that it would probably be best to change the name. Yeah, I'm with you on this one. I think that um, as we talk about on Myths and Mysteries all the time, it's very rarely either one thing or the other thing. A lot of times it's more complex and there's a lot more gray area in between. And I think 
you nailed it. There are several Native American groups who are like, no, we're cool with it. You know, it was the logo was created by a Native American, inspired by a real Native American, a real historical figure, and in his honor. And that's sort of been lost along the way, and that's unfortunate. But at the same time, enough people have a problem with it that uh, I think that it was it was well past time, to be honest. Um, so let's talk about some of the potential names that have been tossed around, uh, most of which were you know trademarked by a random realtor in Virginia. Um, <laughs> my personal favorite is, uh, I, I'm sure you've seen the memes going around on the internet, it's impossible to avoid them, but um, there was one that had them keeping the name Redskins and the color scheme and just changing their logo from a Native American to a red-skinned potato. I think uh, <laughs> if that were a realistic option and it were up for vote, I would vote for the potato. Hands down, you root for the potato. Really, the only negative is that people, you know, as uh, as hungry as people are on Sundays, you go home after church ready to watch football and you're thinking about wings or pizza or whatever. Uh, adding potatoes, something you have to look at during the entirety of a football game, would you know uh, just be a little bit unbearable. But aside from that, I can really see no other cons. The <laughs> yeah, the the name that I like the best was the the possums, and it's been going around online because uh, somebody oh, yes. said they should call them the possums because they get killed on the road and play dead at home. And I thought that was pretty solid as well. That's perfect. That actually <laughs> describes the Redskins perfectly. Uh, <laughs> Going to the, the list of real names, the uh, there's like the Red Wolves and the Red Tails and maybe the Red Hawks, I can't remember. And then, then a lot of like the typical DC type names, the Senators and the Monuments and the Presidents, and those are all stupid because those <laughs> have all been done and they're so typical. And uh, if it were up to me, I would go with the Red Tails. Uh, for those of you unfamiliar who haven't seen the, uh, the movie from 2012 or 2013, the uh, the Red Tails is in reference to the Tuskegee Airmen, a squadron of uh, fighter pilots from World War II who were uh, a segregated black outfit, and they traditionally painted red tails on their airplanes, along with some other markings on the wings and the, uh, the propeller cone and stuff. But I thought it would be a really awesome way to keep the red uh, in their color scheme to really go from a name that was racially probably offensive to one that is... Um, really respectful and honoring of, of history. And uh, I think also it would lend itself to some really cool logos and uniform color combinations. What do you think about Red Tails? I actually love it. And I know typically you and I agree, which might be boring radio and podcasts, but the more that I learned about Red Tails, the more I liked it. And just for the sake of adding some to the podcast, I do also actually really like Red Wolves. And I was told that at least in the general area of the team or in the state of Virginia and the surrounding areas that there were some in that area or may still be some, I'm not sure, not qualified to speak on that, but that it was kind of a cool local thing. So in addition to just picking it for maybe something like color scheme or anything like that, which I'm sure will be relevant for marketers, uh, I think that it would be a cool kind of nod to something local to the area that surrounds the team, which I always think is is cool it's it's something appropriate and something fun to do uh as a nod to the surrounding area but uh, if i had my pick i do think that it's red tails yeah i saw actually a concept uh of what a logo for the red wolves would look like and it was pretty dope so i think if they went with the red wolves i think that would be a good a good consolation prize if they don't take red tails i think the real loser in this situation is washington's players because Supposedly, they want to keep the same color scheme that they've always had, which is the ugliest color scheme in football. So it would be disappointing <laughs> for them if they got a new name and a new logo and still had to wear those super ugly uniforms. 
Yeah, they do so, seem really focused on something that seems like it's been a mistake since the beginning, but more power to them. You yeah, I mean, you. if they really want to insist on looking like undercooked hot dogs with mustard, then that's up to them. That's not my decision to make, but that's not what I would do. <laughs> uh, speaking of renaming in the NFL, that's been a theme this week because the Bills have announced that New Era Field will no longer be the name of the stadium where they play. Uh, apparently, according to the Athletics' Tim Graham, the uh, New Era company was routinely behind on payments, late with payments, uh, was not a good business partner for the Bills, and finally asked to be released from their contract, which the Bills were happy to do. And so the Bills uh, stadium, formerly New Era Field, is now looking for a uh, a new name partner. The first company to step up and attempt to make a bid was Tushy. Tushy is a company that makes bidets and sells them online. And look, I don't care how much money it's for. I don't want to go to Tushy Field. No, please, for the love of all that is good and holy, do not give NFL writers, analysts, and color commentators the ability to call the Buffalo Bills Stadium the toilet bowl. Because they will. They will do it, and uh, that is all that I care about. I do. I have one very strong feeling about the Ralph uh, Rich Stadium, New Era Field, and that is that the new name cannot be the Toilet Bowl. Please, anybody but Tushy. Uh, I've heard some good recommendations. Uh, Wegmans, Perry's Ice Cream, Buffalo Wild Wings commented on the Buffalo Bills' original tweet with the eye-looking-back emoji. Um, you know, chicken. See, people would riot because Buffalo Wild Wings is uh, a chain, and obviously they have strong feelings about some of the great wing places in western New York. But yeah. uh, I would take that hands down over... A tushy stadium so don't don't do that don't do that yeah i think the only upside to tushy stadium would be when the browns came to town to play and then you'd have the the turds in the toilet bowl so <laughs> i would be i mean once every four years it would be really dope but other than that it would just be embarrassing and i think in the press release that tushy released they even talked about we'd like to have an exhibition game in the stadium that we could call the toilet bowl and i was like you've already lost tushy there's no way the buffalo will allow this to happen I think you said it. The absolute best outcome in any scenario involving Tushy would be the Browns. They should clearly be the sponsor of the Browns stadium. It's a match made in heaven. Now, the one thing that we talked about as a potential upside is if Tushy bought the naming rights and put bidets into all the stadium bathrooms. Because football stadium bathrooms are generally pretty Disgusting. awful. They're horrific. Yeah, so if you could put a bidet in there and make it just a little bit classier, that might be the only upside. Then the graffiti and really graphic and disgusting things written in public bathrooms could at least be written on, on nice bathroom items. So For sure. All right, we are going to take a break. We'll be right back after this to talk about the upcoming Major League Baseball season. Stay with us. All right, let me tell you about Rock Cares. You know what community is. It's people. People coming together to serve one another and help one another. And what a great example during this crisis by showing an act of kindness with a care pack from Rock Cares, which in turn helps keep local businesses and workers working and serving their community. Visit rockcares.info and choose from two fresh and delicious packages. Send one to yourself and one to someone who you want to know just how much you appreciate them. Plus, with every package purchased, a gift bag with fresh fruit and a healthy snack will be delivered to a medical professional on the front lines of this COVID virus. Visit rockcares.info, that's R-O-C-Cares.info, or call them. Go old school. 
585-775-7520, rockcares.info, neighbors helping neighbors. If you know a high school athlete looking to become their best self, think Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We recently won six conference titles. Our teams have made three NCAA national championship appearances and 96 student athletes were named East Coast All-Conference. And Roberts has the only NCAA Division II program in Greater Rochester. Tell the athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. We are back. This is the Beyond the Game show. Uh, I'm Zach Barletta, joined today instead of Rick Benson, who is very busy, by my brother Spencer Barletta, all the way from Virginia on the BTG studio line. Spencer, how's the weather down there today? It's hot, man. And uh, I know I shouldn't expect much else in the middle of July, but we are actually, uh, we were looking toward a record 20 days of 90 plus degrees uh, constantly here last week so i'm staying inside as much as i can uh, is what i'm doing right now that's a good plan we're we're doing the same up here in rochester for a different reason we had our long streak of 90s now we're at the beginning of a three or four day streak of rain every day so Ah. um yeah so in order not to melt i am staying inside uh so let's jump into this major league baseball preview uh now normally this would be benson and i and normally the setup is benson uh, is in MC mode, and he throws a bunch of questions to me that I try to answer in as educated a manner as possible. So we'll try to do that today. A little look behind the curtain for our listeners. I'm not in the BTG studio, as Benson's unavailable, uh, and as we are still in the, the uh, time of COVID-19. You and I, Spencer, are on our laptops in our homes. I'm in the basement because my kids are upstairs making noise. I couldn't find my studio headphones for whatever reason, so I'm wearing Paw Patrol headphones today and sitting in the basement uh, keeping the spiders company. You are, I imagine, probably set up uh, in your bedroom? Actually sitting at my kitchen table, surrounded... I'm glad you brought this up. We had not even talked about this before time of recording. Sitting around with... I have some high island uh, kitchen chairs uh, with blankets draped over them and pillows <laughs> in front of me leaning up against kitchen table chairs to try to mute noise. So this is uh, you know, the effort that the BTG program puts into producing quality content and making sure that you get quality content on time and you don't miss anything. So if you hear kids stomping around or you hear you know, the uh, Alpha Blocks theme song or Spencer's dog scratching around, what do you want? It's COVID, okay? We're doing the best we can. <laughs> so let's jump into Major League Baseball preview. Spencer, I believe you have some questions ready to go. And I will do my best to give you my answers and my predictions. Absolutely. And in the in the role of Benson uh, today, I feel like I'm obligated to say that I'm glad that I get to be the one who's asking the questions because you are being very modest about um, trying to give educated answers because of all of the people that I know, uh, you would have the most educated answer because you were the nerdiest baseball person that I know. And I'm, I mean that in the best possible way. So, Well, thank you. I will take it in the best possible way. So we'll go ahead and get started. I feel like the best way to start uh, in on the MLB preview is to discuss a little bit of catching up on what's happened. Obviously, COVID-19 has impacted everything, and we thought there for a while that there might not be baseball, that there might not be sports, and we are going to have baseball. So praise be, 
Uh, and very shortly, in fact, in the next couple of days, we're going to be kicking off the MLB season with opening day. And I figured for those people who may have been lost along the way and wouldn't have paid as close attention uh, or did not pay as close attention as they would, it would be good to let them know what what's changed as a result of COVID-19. We've got a shortened season. We've got some different divisions. And I thought the first question to address would be, what are the changes that have been made for the season because of COVID-19? Well, I think if... Uh... If we were to go through uh, on a list and, and bullet point every single change that's different this year, that would be the rest of the show and probably next week's show too. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'll try to give you a quick sort of Reader's Digest version. Jeez, uh, a lot of people our age and younger probably don't even know what Reader's Digest is, which is sad. But uh, no. anyways, so the, the, the obvious one is that the season's only 60 games. They're going to try to play 60 games in 66 days, which is ambitious. Uh, but <clears throat> will be awesome as far as content when it, once it gets going. There'll be baseball all the time. Uh, another big change is there is a, uh, a new injured list this season specifically for COVID. Uh, there's obviously the 10-day uh, position player uh, IL. There is the concussion IL. There's the 15-day pitcher IL. And now there's the COVID IL, where uh, I believe it's two weeks, and then you have to pass two negative COVID tests, uh, I believe within 48 hours, maybe it's 24 hours, to be able to come back and rejoin the team. Obviously, the teams are staying in something of a bubble where they're staying uh, at their facilities altogether and not really going out. Um, They are, um, obviously, some of the players are wearing masks right now as they're in their summer camp ramping up for the season. I don't know if that will continue. Um, One of the biggest and most interesting changes is whether they've consolidated the divisions. To cut down on travel, uh, what they have done, and also to try to keep the division races as fair as possible, is the uh, AL and NL equivalents of each other geographically have merged. So the AL East has merged with the NL East, the AL and NL Central, the AL and NL West. So there will still be an AL East winner, an NL East winner, but uh, you won't have East teams flying West or Central, or Central teams going East or West teams going East. So each team will play 40 games against their own division rivals, and the other 20 will be interleague games against uh, the other league's uh, corresponding division, which is interesting because some teams have an easier schedule. Some teams, uh, we're both Yankee fans, the Yankees, for example, in addition to playing their own division, will have to play the reigning champion Nationals, the up-and-coming Mets. They'll get the Marlins. Uh, They'll also have to play the Braves and the Phillies. So uh, the schedule that they would have had was a lot easier than the schedule that they have now. That's really going to be fascinating. It sounds like by the time, you know, playoffs and some things like that come around, uh, you know, some of these teams are going to be facing, uh, you know, teams in the playoffs or obviously in the World Series, you know, potentially for the very first time. And it'll be really kind of ramp up the excitement of that kind of maybe, you know, cross-country meeting or something like that. It'll kind of all come to a head. If um, if we know anything about baseball, it's that obviously every team is looking for an advantage. I'm looking at you, Astros. And <laughs> so based on a lot of changes going on, we have to ask ourselves, okay, which team comes out ahead? Which team or teams could benefit from this year's kind of unique divisional matchups? Do you have any thoughts on that? I do, and I almost forgot to mention that my favorite change for this year is the Universal DH. The National League teams will also have the DH this year, which I love, and I'm hoping, and I really believe that it's here to stay now, that once we have it, we won't go back. I once hope so. National League fans see how much more awesome it is to have a competent hitter 
in that spot in the lineup, I think it would be hard to go back. So big props for the Universal DH. I'm totally psyched about it. Um, and to move on to your question, yeah, uh, I think some of the biggest winners from this um, from this adjusted division setup that we're in this year is the American League Central teams. Um, I'm looking at especially like the White Sox, Indians, Twins, because those teams, in addition to getting to face the bad rebuilding Tigers and the bad rebuilding Royals, get to play the NL Central. And while the Brewers are good and the Reds are pretty loaded, look like they're going to be really good, the rest of that division, the Pirates are bad, the Cubs are trying to figure out what they're doing. Uh, It's just, it's not... The Cardinals, nobody really knows what to expect from the Cardinals. They have some nice pieces. They've lost some pieces. They always seem to call up some 27-year-old guy from the minors that nobody's heard of who hits 300. So it's if you're one of those top three AL Central teams, I think the schedule is really favorable for you. Um, some of the teams that uh, I think will be hurt by it are, if you're looking at, uh, like I said, the AL East teams. Oh, and the NL East teams. Anybody in the East, really. Uh, if you're in the NL, okay, now you've got to face the Yankees. You've got to face the Red Sox, who still have some star power. You've got to face the Blue Jays, who have a lot of young, big-time prospects that have already broken into the majors and will be playing their first full season. Um, and if you're, say, the Yankees or Rays, now you have to face the world champions, and you have to face the Braves, who are pretty good, and and uh, the Phillies, who have a lot of star power. So, uh, I think it's good if you're in the central and, and bad if you're in the east. So we've talked about you know who might benefit and who might uh, you know be hurt or damaged by the way that the divisions are set up. So now let's go ahead and make you call your shot. Um, oh boy, who who are going to be your your American playoff teams this year? Who's going to be the wild card team? Who's going to be the divisional winners? Uh, well, I guess I'll just go division by division uh, from the the east. Uh, I actually like Tampa Bay. Um, I know the Yankees are okay. a popular a popular favorite, and obviously they've added Garrett Cole, the best pitcher in baseball. So, um, look, they're a powerhouse team. They're going to win a ton of games. Um, but at the same time, like we've talked about with the Yankees, whenever you get good news, it seems like you immediately get bad news. You know, oh, so-and-so has gotten healthy and is swinging a bat. Okay, well, now somebody else has COVID. All right, somebody <laughs> else has gotten over their COVID. Okay, now Masahiro Tanaka gets hit in the head with a line drive. It's just this this cycle of injury and uh you know and some of the guys that are coming back like stanton and judge we really they look good uh hitting against their teammates in practice but we haven't seen them in like a game a real game situation so until i see how that goes i'm going to give the rays the edge they're just so deep they have so much pitching they're so young they have the best prospect in the game in wander franco knocking down the door of the majors and i just think the depth that they have and the extreme volume of almost major league ready talent that they have puts the Rays over the top in the central. I'm going to take the Minnesota twins. Uh, again, a really deep team, a lot of young talent led the major leagues in home runs last year. Um, <clears throat> they've added to their pitching staff with rich Hill and Kenta Maida this year. Uh, the twins look to be uh, really the class of that division. Although don't sleep on the Indians and the white Sox. The Indians have lost some pieces. They traded their ace Corey Kluber away. Um, They've sort of retooled the outfield and stuff, but, you know, they seem to find a way every year, and their pitching is uh, is always good. The White Sox have really retooled the lineup. They have young studs coming up. They have uh, developing young pitching. The, the White Sox lineup is really scary, so don't sleep on them, but I will take the Twins in the Central. 
in the AL West, as uh, as much as I hate to say it, I don't think anybody's really caught the Astros yet. With that said, we also don't know what they're going to look like with the new manager in Dusty Baker without the trash cans or the buzzers or whatever the heck they've been using. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the A's, I do think, are really, really good. Um, they took a bit of a blow when one of their young up-and-coming aces, Jesus Lazardo, tested positive for COVID. We're not sure exactly if he'll be back for the start of the season and how many innings he'll be stretched out to go. But the A's are really good. I could easily see them winning that division. Um, the Angels have gotten better, but they also don't know if they're going to have Mike Trout. Uh, his wife is due with their first child in August. Obviously, he's going to have to quarantine away from everybody before he can go to the hospital for that. And then he'll have to quarantine after that before he can come back to the team. So they may be without the best player in the game for several weeks uh, in August in the middle of the season. So it's hard to pick the Angels. Um, so I will take Houston. Uh, for the two wild card teams from the American League, I will take the New York Yankees, of course. And I will take the... Uh, I'll take the... Uh, Oakland A's. I, I, I really wanted to pick the White Sox, but uh, I just think the pitching that the A's already have in place will will carry them through. Well, if any of your listeners have any questions about the authenticity of the opinions on the show and the research that goes into it and willingness to say what you think is right over what you're rooting for, I know it hurt you to, uh, to not have the Yankees as the AL East uh, division champs and to give a division to the Astros. So there you go. I feel like I need to go brush my teeth after saying those words. (laughs) Let's do the same thing with the National League. Uh, We talked about the AL. Give us a little bit of a rundown on who you think are going to be some of the top teams from the National League. Well, starting in the East again, uh, I think it's hard to pick against anybody that's not the reigning champions. Uh, They do still have the best pitching staff in baseball with Max Scherzer, Patrick Corbin, and Steven Strasburg. And honestly, if you have those three guys at the top of your rotation, your last two starters could probably be you and me and you'd make the playoffs. So uh, I'm going to take the Nationals. Look, the Mets are on their way up, but they're the Mets. So something, <laughs> will, something will happen. You know, they'll, somehow they'll break a glass vial of COVID samples in the locker room or something because they're the Mets. The Phillies are on their way up. They have two major league-ready rookies in third baseman Alec Baum and starting pitcher Spencer uh, Howard, both of whom I absolutely love and am stashing in fantasy leagues. But I don't think you can predict them to take or to overtake the first spot yet. Uh, obviously, the Marlins are a ways away. Uh, the Braves are pretty good, but I'm going to take the Nationals to uh, continue their dominance in that division. In the Central, uh, it's sort of a shakeup from where we've been recently. Uh, we're used to the Reds being at the bottom of that division, the Cubs being near the top, the Cardinals being contenders. I think the Cardinals still will be, you know, they'll be above 500. They'll be a winning team, but it's hard to tell what they're going to be, which is the story every year. Uh, the Cubs are sort of, you know, they're under new management. They're uh, trying to figure things out. They have some contracts they need to get rid of. So I'm actually going to take the Cincinnati Reds. Um, wow, okay. Yeah, shout out to uh, my wife's uncle, Pete, if you're listening. Big time Reds fan. This has been a long time coming, but I think they're going to win the division with the Brewers right on their heels. Uh, they just have so much pitching. Uh, a couple years ago, they changed pitching coaches, and he's really been able to get the most out of the talent of that staff that they have. Uh, and they've added a lot of depth to that lineup and added to the bullpen as well. I'll take the Reds with the Brewers right behind. Going to the West, it's tough not to take the Dodgers. Their pitching is so good. Their lineup is so good. They've added Mookie Betts. Uh, so 
you know, the, the West uh, is another one of those divisions like the Central that I think might be pretty bad at the bottom. Uh, I think the Dodgers are going to be really good. I think the Diamondbacks will be good. The Padres are going to be fun. I don't know what to expect out of them, but they have a lot of really good young talent. Uh, the Rockies <clears throat> are almost the Mets of the West where they have a lot of talent, but they don't seem to know what they're doing all the time. So uh, it's <laughs> tough to pick them. So And, and the Giants are, are just trying to rebuild. So uh, I'm going to take the Dodgers there. So the division winners in the National League are the Nationals, Reds, and Dodgers. For the two wild card teams, I will take the Brewers, and I will take the Atlanta Braves. We have some Braves fan listeners that I know will be happy about that, but they have pitching. They have a lot of really good young players who may have not found their peak yet. So uh, give me the Braves as the last wild card team in the National League. It really does feel like if if even if you don't like the Braves, um, young and fun are two of the words that come to mind when when you think about teams to watch and players specifically that are easy and fun to root for. It just seems like the Braves have some of the guys who just really love playing the game of baseball. Absolutely. How can you not enjoy watching Ronald Acuna and Ozzy Albies? They're just so much fun. Absolutely. In keeping with this great scenario where I get to throw questions at you and make you go on record of picking things that you know could or could not happen. I would be, uh, you know, I'd be amiss if I didn't stop here for a second to to quote Benson and say that none of us really know anything. Uh, <laughs> That's true about anything. It's a, it, you know, this is part of the fun. If Benson was here, he would spend a good few minutes telling you how much he doesn't like doing this. So I'm really enjoying being able to throw this stuff off the wall and make you pick it out. So let's do the World Series. Who's going to win the World Series this year? Okay, uh, I'm going to say the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, wow. Which- you know, saying Rays and World Series in the same sentence is kind of strange, but uh, I just, they're so deep. They have so many options at every position. They have so much pitching, and they have so many players ready to come up and contribute if need be that are extremely talented that it's just tough to see them, just tough to see a situation where they really struggle. Um, and I think that. Um, they are also such a pioneering franchise, as we saw a couple years ago when they pioneered the opener. Uh, they're willing to work uh, within the system as much as possible to maximize their players' ability to succeed. That I really, really like Tampa Bay this year. Uh, and I think, uh, I think they will beat the Dodgers in the World Series. And it's kind of tough to say that because the Dodgers have had so much heartbreak the last few years. Where they, I think they lost back-to-back World Series and then they were knocked out without making it to the World Series this past year despite mm-hmm. having the National League MVP. Um, but I think it's going to be Rays over Dodgers in the World Series. I guess if there was any team that may have an advantage that would bump them toward the World Series, it would be the Tampa Bay Rays, because with no fans, they've been playing that way for a long time at the Trop. So, yeah, they're used to it. and uh, Yeah, their home game's not having anyone. They'll, they'll feel completely at home. Absolutely. Were you going to say something else there? No, I was just going to say that uh, you are talking about teams that have an advantage, and I feel like the Rays are so creative that they sort of create their own advantages where there potentially wasn't one before. The consummate professional turning a, a, a joke and a quip into an opportunity for analysis. I love it. Let's pick the, um, go ahead, give us your MVP winners and maybe some Cy Young Award winner candidates. Okay, uh, we'll start in the American League. My pick for the American League uh, MVP, but this is a tough one because you would you would like to say Mike Trout because he's the obvious candidate, but you also don't know if he's going to play. So uh, I am going to go maybe off script a little bit, and I'm going to say uh, Giancarlo Stanton. Uh, oh, wow. You know, he, he, people forget he was an MVP in the National League not too long ago on a really bad team in a bad hitter's park. 
And that you remember when he was traded to the Yankees that <clears throat> a lot of people said, wow, he's going to a better park and, and he's going to get to face the Orioles and the Blue Jays and he's going to even top his MVP numbers. And he hasn't. You know, his first season was a really good season, but people considered it a disappointment because it wasn't an MVP season. Last year, he got injured early on and it was kind of a lost season as he kept trying to get back from an injury and would injure something else. And um, the talent that won him the MVP and got him that giant contract is still in there. And he's not as old as people think. So I think you get a healthy season out of Stanton. He's such a streaky hitter. He could have one of those months where he hits 20 homers and leads all of baseball. And I think that would be enough to do it. So I'm going to go maybe outside the box and take Stanton for my American League MVP. For my American League Cy Young, I am going to go with, uh, I think I'm going to go with Charlie Morton of the Rays. It's supposedly going to be his final season. He is uh, extremely talented. He generally has missed time every year with an injury, but if you get that that 60-game stretch where he's healthy, he's dominant, he'll be on a team that I've picked to win the World Series, so he should be piling up the wins and the strikeouts, and uh, I just think he probably goes out on top with the Cy Young. For the National League, uh, it's tough to not pick Cody Bellinger or Christian Yelich as they were neck and neck going for it last year. Last year, I believe Bellinger won it because Yelich got injured, towards the end of the season. So I'm going to say Yelich stays healthy and wins it with his combination of power and speed this year. And the Brewers bring home an MVP award. Uh, for the Cy Young Award, uh, I'm going to take uh, a familiar name. I'm going to take Clayton Kershaw of the Dodgers. He's another guy that, extremely talented, an older guy, uh, has a history of it before, but uh, has had several years where he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Now that you only need him to stay healthy for 60 games, and also as a veteran guy, for some of the younger guys, this isn't a normal spring training. It's weird. They probably aren't totally sure how to handle it, how to adjust to it. Kershaw is such a crafty veteran that I think he'll be fine, and he'll be ready to go coming out of the gate and won't have that lag at the beginning. So Kershaw is my Cy Young pick for the National League. Wow, I really like uh, – I think you said off script or, or out of the box, and uh, it's it's always fun when you can pick some names that are not inherently at the top of everybody's list. Um Speaking of, of players that might be at the top of people's lists, um, there's always a lot of people out there, you know, the, especially the the nerdy baseball community of which you are a part that enjoy Thanks. trying to predict. Oh, no problem. I really mean it as a compliment. Um, uh, you know, I, I bow down to people who are much smarter than I am and can name the guys in single, double, and triple A on some of these teams and who's going to be the next star before anybody knows their name. And when it comes to that, there are a lot of fun names that have popped up in the last few years. Guys like, um, you know, fan favorite Pete Alonzo. Uh, you mentioned Ronald Acuna Jr., um, Shohei Otani, Aaron Judge, Cody Bellinger. These are guys who have won Rookie of the Year in the last three years or so. And so do you think that when we've seen recently every year a handful of rookies come up and make a huge impact immediately, do you think that because the season is going to be so short, you mentioned what that impact might have on Mike Trout, uh, do you think we won't see as many rookies be able to come up and, and make huge impacts this year? I think that's probably somewhat the case. Not not to an exaggerated degree, but I think there's going to be a lot of teams that, like if you're the Orioles, if you're the Tigers, if you're the Giants, well, I don't know if the Giants actually have any prospects, but like <laughs> uh, if, if you're a team that's going to know from a week or two into the season that you're out of it, what really is the upside of bringing a kid up why why start his arbitration clock ticking towards his eventual free agency if he's not going to help you win anything 
on the converse side of that, I think for some of the teams that are going to be in it, like Toronto, right? Over a full season, we didn't expect Toronto to be a contender. They have a lot of young talent. They're going to hit the crap out of the ball. They have a starting pitcher named Nate Pearson who's raring to go and looks like potentially a Roger Clemens-type starting pitcher. If you get two or three weeks into the season and you're two games behind the Yankees because you've been beating up on the Orioles and the Marlins, why wouldn't you call him up and say, let's go for it? Because if you get into the playoffs, you're getting some of that playoff money. And so I think that there will be a big disparity where the teams, like the Tigers have three potential aces in the minors ready to go. Casey Mize, Matt Manning, and Tarek Skubal. But they're going to be so terrible, they might win 12 out of their 60 games. What would the purpose be in bringing those guys up? So I think you'll see the good teams bring their kids up without much hesitation, and the bad teams probably won't. You've mentioned some names here, you know, some players and some teams that should have uh, some fun prospects. Who are some of the names that you think people should look out for that you want to put your stamp on as picks for Rookie of the Year and the AL and NL? Well, first of all, we're already well over time, and Benton's going to be mad, but he's not here. Uh, but <laughs> if I were to go into all of the names that I think have a legitimate chance, this would be an hour-long show, and people would be clicking their phones off. So uh, I'm going to give you just a handful for each league. For the American League, I think my favorite is first baseman Evan White of the Seattle Mariners. Uh, he's got a great hit tool. He's going to play a good first base. Um, he has more power than you think. He's not known as a power prospect, but he played in one of the worst minor league parks for power and still did pretty well in that department. Uh, One of the reasons I really like Evan White is that he already got a contract extension from the Mariners, so they're not going to play the service time game, and he's going to be the starter from day one for them. So he'll have a great opportunity to uh, really compile the numbers to win the award. Uh, Luis Robert, the center fielder for the White Sox, Uh, He also got a contract extension, so there's no reason he shouldn't be their opening day starter. Um, There's a lot of room for variance with him. Uh, He might hit under 200 and strike out 30 or 40% of the time, but he also might hit a ton of homers and steal double-digit bases. So the upside with him is that he goes on a crazy streak for 60 games. The season ends before pitchers figure him out, and he runs away with the award. Uh, The other name I want to mention is not as sexy. It's Nick Solak of the Texas Rangers. Former Yankee prospect uh, who's been with Tampa and now Texas. Um, He doesn't do any one thing extremely well, but he's good at everything. Uh, And they've had so many injuries and people leaving that wherever he plays, he's going to get full-time at-bats. And I think he could put together a good all-around season and potentially challenge for the rookie of the year. In the National League, I have two candidates. Uh, Dodger second baseman Gavin Lux is my favorite. Um, He's already been called up to the majors for a cup of coffee at the end of last year. Didn't hit well, but uh, the hit tool is there. The contact power and a little bit of speed are there. He should be the opening day second baseman. Uh, And as I've said a few times already, being guaranteed a job on opening day gives you the best chance to put up those numbers. Uh, I really believe in Gavin Lux, and he's an exciting player. And the other option I'll throw out there is Dylan Carlson, an outfielder for the Cardinals. Uh, Look, he's probably better than any of the outfielders currently on their major league roster. So if he doesn't start the season with them, he will be up shortly. And uh, he's got enough power and enough speed to really put up a good all-around season, and the hit tool is good. So I could definitely see him challenging for Rookie of the Year. Well, there you go, folks. That's some some comprehensive 
all-encompassing conversation about what to expect this year in a shortened season. And you now know everything you need to know about baseball. So go ahead, place your bets, except we don't promote that here on the show. Uh, wink, wink. Go ahead. Yeah, make your make your calls. Tell all your friends. You, you now know what's going to happen. So, Well, normally we would go to a break here, but we're already well over time. So let's just jump really quickly into the shenanigans, and we'll get out of here. I'm ready. All right, truth or shenanigans. Phillies outfielder Andrew McCutcheon is correct in saying that the Yankees' hair policy takes away from our individualism as players and as people. Whew. Uh, I'm going to have to say truth. Uh, and, you know, to be honest, part of the reason why this is a worthwhile question and is so difficult to answer is, especially as a Yankee fan, it's part of the heritage and part of the history of the team. Almost, you know, not to the nearly the same level, but you look at the pinstripes, you think Yankees, and they've got these, you know, rules to be a Yankee. You have to be classy. You have to look a certain way. But to be honest... I think it's old. I think it's outdated. And players really do absolutely express themselves in the way they look, the way that they do their facial hair, or the way that they have their hair, tattoos, etc. And yeah, honestly, I think it's an outdated rule. And it does absolutely, if part of the question is take away from individualism as players, yes, it does. Uh, I agree. It's a dumb rule. It's outdated. It needs to be changed. I think back to when the Yankees brought in like a depth minor league outfielder from the Red Sox. I think it was Darnell McDonald, possibly. And he came in and he had left the Red Sox with long dreadlocks that he'd been clearly working on for a long time. He came to the Yankees, had to cut the dreadlocks. The Yankees sent him down to the minors after one game. He cut his dreadlocks to play one game with the Yankees and he was gone. And, you know, I, I look at guys like Garrett Cole, right, that just signed with the Yankees in the offseason. You look at him last year, he has the overpowering stuff. He's a bulldog on the mound. He had that longish hair and the beard, and he looked intimidating. And you look at him now, he's had to shave for the Yankees. He looks like a school teacher. So some of that <laughs> some of that intimidation is lost. And I just think, you know, these guys are getting paid so much money, and you really need to market this league. In, in a way, in a world where we're trying to figure out how to market baseball better to the younger generation, make, having a whole team that makes their guys have short hair and a clean-shaven face is just, it, it needs to go. It's outdated. Number two, Eagles wide receiver Deshaun Jackson should be cut for his anti-Semitic Instagram post. This is, um, man, this is even harder than the last one because my honest answer is maybe or or possibly. I, I read the comments and number one, you know, there's no room for anti-Semitic quotes. There's no room for racism. And so could he be cut? Sure. I I always have a hard time saying that somebody should be cut or should not be able to to be active in their livelihood because of doing something like this. But he certainly needs to be penalized. Um, and in a world where that's kind of a main focus right now, the lack of backlash is kind of astounding. And quoting, now I'm, I'm under the impression that it's actually been debunked that the quotes that he shared were not actually by Hitler. Correct. But he thought they were. And when he posted remade the, the quotes. So I'm going to break the rules a little bit and say that he certainly could be cut. I don't know that he should be cut. But I do think that he absolutely needs to serve uh, a penalty, and I think he absolutely needs to do some of these things. Like players like Julian Edelman are saying, like, "Hey, I'm going to take you to the Holocaust Museum." Some players are saying, "We need to sit down and have a conversation." Yeah, I like that. I don't know. I don't know that the league can enforce that, but I think that those things need to happen. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb, and this might not be a popular take, but I'm going to say he shouldn't be cut um, because it has all the look of a guy who read something and said. Yeah, you know, and, and just shared it and didn't look into it, didn't really read through it, didn't look to see if it was something that really should be shared or not. 
you know, like, I hate to say this, like an old person on Facebook, right? They see a <laughs> meme and they're like, yeah, blue lives do matter. And they share it. And, but the quote on it might be fake. And, you know, they didn't look to see what page it came from and stuff. And I just, I feel like he did a dumb thing and I'm sure he understands that it was a dumb thing, but he's going to go to the Holocaust museum. He's, he's been called out. He's been put through the ringer over it. I really think to say that he should lose his job because he shared something without vetting it on Twitter, which all of us do. Uh, I don't think you could take away his livelihood for that. Yeah, it's for sure a, a tough one. And, um, this may be, you know, continuing on the conversation that we're ready to move past, but I also, it's my personal belief that he may not have been inherently trying to promote the anti-Semitic agenda, but more promoting something that was important to him uh, as a black gentleman. And I think that there is a difference between trying to, to put down one people and trying to recognize something that someone was trying to say about your own uh, race or, or culture. And so he made a mistake and did something bad and deserves to maybe be penalized for it. But I think that you know things have to be looked in before you just say, yeah, that guy can't work anymore. Absolutely. Last but not least, the Kansas City Chiefs will regret committing so much money to Patrick Mahomes. Man. Okay. I think if they don't win the... I almost said World Series. I got baseball in the mind. If they don't win the Super Bowl again in the next two years, I think maybe they will. Now, I think, and the reason I say that is because we don't know what's going to happen with the salary cap. Um, it looks like it could potentially go down. Because of COVID, we're going to see some historic changes in the NFL that we haven't seen before. And the money that they're giving him is huge. It's huge money. It's a long time. But, you know, years down the road, I would say this contract is is fine because years down the road, the cap will end up going up, and so the salary that they're paying him will catch up with other quarterbacks around the league, and it won't seem like such an astronomic number. But I would say, you know, they're paying him all this money right now, and they're saying, like, okay, we've got the talent now in place before we have to, over the next few years, struggle to maybe pay some of the other players aside from Patrick Mahomes. So we need to win now. And that's my personal belief, and I think that if they don't win another Super Bowl or two, specifically in the next couple of years, I'll say... Yes, but other than that, I have no problem with the contract. I was going to make the exact same point, that it's going to come down to Super Bowls. If you win a few Lombardi trophies and put a few more flags up at Arrowhead, then who cares? You know, it was like mm-hmm. it was like the A-Rod contract with the Yankees. Yeah, it was a stupid contract, but you got a 2009 World Series out of it when he pretty much single-handedly beat the Twins. So if you get rings out of it, I think you'll be more than happy with it. And I also think that... Um, it's sort of overblown this theory that if you pay your quarterback, you can't win. Um, you remember the former Colts GM said that about, well, you know, we have to pay Andrew Luck a lot of money and it's hard to field the team. Well, then Chris Ballard took over, drafted extremely well, and proved that, yeah, you can do it if you scout well and you draft well and you make shrewd free agent signings. So, look, the, the Chiefs aren't going to be able to continue paying the Sammy Watkins of the world after this. But they have drafted some young playmakers. You know, they don't have to pay Damian Williams after this. They have running backs. They don't have to pay Sammy Watkins after this. They have wide receivers. So I think if you're as smart an organization as the Chiefs clearly are, you can make it work. And if you win Super Bowls, it's all worth it. Absolutely. People will always find something to criticize, but you just locked up one of the best, if not the best, especially young player in the game. You're going to have him for a long time. He's still not going to be too old to where he's not going to be well within the range when quarterbacks are still effective. And, you know, um, as somebody who wants to see another team in particular win a Super Bowl, you got to say that the Chiefs are fun to watch. 
Absolutely. You know who's fun to watch? Spencer Barletta. Spencer, thank you for co-hosting this uh, especially long podcast episode with me. Thank you for stepping in for Benson. Sort of last minute. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Good to chat with you uh, beyond just our usual text messaging. Uh, so thanks once again for being on with us. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. All right, that will do it for this special length episode of Beyond the Game. Uh, tune in again next week. Visit us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. This is Zach. We're out. <laughs>